The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Um, I'm not going to say too much about this. All right, well then, good. We're done. Hey, but, everybody have a great night. <laughs> but I am not happy with my cell service today. I uh, and I've got I've got a, I don't know, should I even should I even say? I mean, I've been an iPhone user forever, forever. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think it has anything to do with that steel plate in your head, though? Well, I don't know because every time I use my phone, I, I cook something on the counter next to my wherever I happen to be standing. So Jiffy pops. Yeah, going. yeah, exactly. It could have something to do with that. Um, no, but seriously, my my phone is just it was it has been working right the last um, I don't know thirty six hours or so, and I we did the whole you know go through Verizon, then they sent me to Apple, and I'm talking with Apple. I'm supposed to go see Apple tomorrow to get a loaner so they can send my. Now, this is an iPhone seven. I mean, it's not even like state of the art anymore. It's I had it. Seven, ain't that from like 1983? Three years ago, anyway. <laughs> I mean, no, but you're right. It's it's you know, I mean, yeah. there, there's been the eight and the so ten old. now, yeah. the ten S or whatever the heck it is. So I'm still I'm still with the eight plus. Yeah, and um and you know, so they they want to take my phone, send it away to be fixed, give me a loaner phone. Um, then I have to go back, and I'm an hour and a half from the nearest Apple store, so I'm Which just venting like, a little bit. I love Apple products. I'm really really happy with my iPhone, but this is a bit frustrating. They're going to give you an Apple four. <laughs> Probably more reliable. You know, the funny thing is, on the on the uh, counter behind me here, I have an Apple f- my five that I, the one I had before the seven, and I'm I might swap my SIM over to that and just use that in the meantime. It's funny. I still have uh, well, it sits in a drawer, but I still have my sixty gig Apple iPod, uh, and it was like it had the little video player, which yeah, is like yeah. a one inch screen that SciFi gave me oh, wow. back in like season three. They gave it to us as a Christmas gift, and. It's just, I mean, you look at how far they've come. Well, like, I, got, wow. I, I, I don't know if, I'm not sure which one exactly one you have. I've got the, the original white one that has like the rotary spin thing on yeah, the front. Yeah, that's the, that's one. the yep. same one. Yep. With the little little uh, black and white LCD screen that you could pick the songs on. And that well, kind no, of thing. no. The, no, I've got one of those, but I'm, this one actually did video. Yeah, it was like the first that, yeah. video thing, but you had to watch it on a one-inch screen, so you <laughs> might as well just sit there with a magnifying glass. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the program, everyone. It's Beyond Reality Radio with Jason and JV. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about a couple of pretty interesting topics. One of them being the Mandela effect and the other being quantum immortality and quantum physics. Both very fascinating topics with our guest Rob Shelsky tonight. Yeah, and it's, it should be interesting, especially the Mandela effect. I mean, there's a lot of things about it that you know, some, some people are believers in it. Some people think that it's just your mind playing games on you. Um or, or bad memory like well, mine. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And quantum immortality, of course. I mean, that's something we all want. We we all want to know that that consciousness stays stays alive even after the shell of a body that we're in is gone. So it's definitely going to be a great topic tonight. If you haven't yet, head over to Facebook.com slash Beyond Reality Radio. Like the Facebook page for us. Then head to BeyondRealityRadio.com where you can find all the stations we are on across the country. That list is constantly growing. Actually, and next week we'll start, we'll give a shout out to them now, but we'll start airing on KLBM and KBKR in La Grande, Oregon and Portland, Oregon. So uh, we'll be happy to have them on board as well. But you can also download the free smartphone apps for Android and uh, iPhone uh, if Jimmy's was working or not. (laughs) And uh, that'll allow you to listen to the show live, catch past shows, join the online chat and more. Or any night we're live, feel free to just go to the website. You can click the listen live and chat button which connects you to a great community of people where JV, myself, and just a bunch of wonderful people usually hang out. Or you can listen right from the website just by clicking just the Listen Live button. So we try to make it easy. And if you download the show from iTunes or anywhere else, just take two seconds of your time and rate the show for us because it helps push the show forward and makes it easier to find, and that's what it's all about. I'm excited about the uh, Portland, Oregon stations, the two AM stations that are going to be carrying the show starting next week because that just expands our coverage in the heart of Bigfoot country. This is true. Bigfoot will probably be tuning in Bigfoot from will, his will be calling iPhone in, sure. 4. <laughs> be calling in, I bet. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we've had stranger hey, things happen. You know, it's it's uh, pretty good. Uh, it's talking about smartphones and the things that these phones can do. Uh, this is a pretty interesting story that I was just reading about. There's a phone app now that can actually diagnose anemia from photos of your fingernails. Really? Yeah. You take a picture of your fingernail, and you um, once you have the picture, you highlight the fingernail itself in the picture, and it will be able to diagnose whether or not you have low levels of hemoglobin in your blood, which is the, what anemia is. And um, it's a very, very common disease, and if it's uh, untreated, it can cause severe fatigue, heart problems, and other complications. But this uh, works because what it'll do is it compares the... Um, 
the appearance of the fingernails with um, known cases. In other words, they have a, a whole database of fingernails of people that have anemia and fingernails of people that don't have anemia. And uh, by making that comparison, they can determine whether or not your fingernails are indicating that you have anemia based on a phone app. Well, and but that's amazing. But it's not... It's not far out of. I, I've actually downloaded this app not too long ago. It was called Picture This, and you can t- literally oh, yeah. Yeah, walk up to this. any plant yeah. or mm-hmm. any any tree, and mm-hmm. you take a picture, and it it literally it tells it. you exactly what it is, and it's it's amazing. So, I mean, it's, yeah, that kind of an app just it doesn't seem far fetched when when you've got all these other apps. I mean, it's amazing some of the things that are out there. I never thought a phone could be become such a everyday part of life, which, I mean, when we were younger, we didn't have phone. We didn't even have beepers back then. <laughs> no, we had a dime that we I'm, carried in our pocket in case we needed to make a phone call or to pay for it. Or, or you had a paper clip and you knew how to ground out the pay phone <laughs> to be able to make the call, which, yes, I've I've always been a very tech-savvy guy, but we used to be able to, you know, stick the paper clip in this, in, well, I won't even tell you how to do it, but you used to be... It doesn't uh, matter. There are no pay phones anymore. That, the, ones that, the ones that exist only take, like, cards and stuff. This is true. Well, you used to be able to take a paper clip, stick it in the in the the center hole of the actual part that you spoke in, and touch it to the ground screw, and it would trick the phone. Now I probably owe that payphone company millions of dollars. I'm yeah, they're going to you're going to get a bill now. Exactly from the one payphone <laughs> in the smack dab in the center of Philadelphia. But uh, but no, and but we didn't have beepers. I mean, when I got I got my first beeper, I was like 17. And everybody thought I was a drug dealer. You weren't. No, I wasn't. Oh, okay, I, just, I, I, didn't, mean, I wouldn't have thought that. I was just questioning because I mean, who else had hair past my shoulders and everything else? Who else and, I, of course, I wasn't a drug dealer. No, I'm just coming. No, but uh, yeah, technology has just grown just incredibly, and the things you're able to do now with your phone. I watch guys on on job sites taking their phone and putting it on and PVC pipes and and stuff to make sure that the pitch is correct for drainage. And you're like, okay, never never thought that would be happening. It's amazing. You know, and I read somewhere as well that these phones actually have uh, sensors and other technology embedded in them that they haven't even, we don't really, aren't, aren't even using yet. There's things that apps just haven't been designed to use within these phones yet. Things like maybe one of those, like you've just described, being able to determine the pitch of a pipe. You know, that's just a, that's the level, a level system, system yeah. in the phone, too. You know, there's a whole bunch of things in there that, that uh, are basically turned off. I think one of those things is actually a radio chip in a lot of these phones. They have a radio chip in them. They just haven't activated them. And it makes you wonder why, though. What, are they working towards something that's going to be beneficial for us, or are they working towards something f- to gather more information about us? Yes and yes. Yeah, probably a little of both, I guess, right? Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, and make sure you tune in tomorrow. We're going to be talking with Ron Kolick and Maureen Wood, paranormal investigators and researchers, and our discussion is going to involve paranormal investigation research in the series Ghost Chronicles that they've written. Yeah, it should be really interesting. Um, these folks have been uh, at this quite quite a while, and anytime we get a chance to talk about good old-fashioned ghosts and hauntings, um, we enjoy that for sure. Absolutely. And then Thursday, we're going to be having readings with Rebecca Foster, so make sure you call in early because the phone lines usually fill up pretty quick on that. You call in, Rebecca will give you a reading, and uh, you go from there, so... On that note, the phone number tonight, 844-687-7669. We're going to take a quick break, get our guest Rob Shelsky on the phone. You'll listen to Jason and JV, Beyond Reality Radio. We'll be back after this. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to the show. It's Beyond Reality Radio with Jason and JV. And our guest tonight is Rob Shelsky. He's a ufologist and a paranormal expert. He's got a book out that's called Shattered Reality, The Mandela Effect. He's also got a new book that's coming out this coming year called The Sacred Quantum, Quantum Immortality, and Life After Death. So we're going to be talking about uh, both of those books and other topics with Rob. Rob, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. It's terrific to have you on the show with us tonight. Oh, thanks so much for coming on. So let's uh, let's kind of get some definitions out of the way here. What is the Mandela effect? What are we talking about? Oh, okay. Well, the Mandela. 
Mandela effect is the idea that um, reality, or at least the past, seems to be changing all the time. And uh, it came to light about 2013, and it was first coined because Nelson Mandela, many people remembered his death as having a prison, while others, including myself, remember him going on to be president of South Africa. Now, some people remember it both ways, oddly enough. Actually, I'm one of those as well. But things seem to change, uh, and mostly we base it on memory, like, oh, I remember Kit Kat having a hyphen between the two words, and now it doesn't, or uh, just that kind of thing. Small stuff, but um, legitimate stuff. And the thing, the weird part is, when people do remember it, it's not just them alone. It's a lot of people. And when they remember it a certain way, it's a lot of people remembering it that way. It's not like, oh, yeah, is, this is the way it happened, but a lot of people remember different versions of it. No. The people who so-called get it wrong are all getting it wrong the same way, which is very strange. Plus, there seems to be some physical evidence for the Mandela effect as well, real evidence. I mean, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind to play devil's advocate here is just faulty memory. Um, another thing that comes to mind is, you know, propaganda in the sense that uh, when if somebody starts in the right social media circles or even in regular media circles, misreports something or says something inaccurately, uh, that can be picked up as reality and have a competing reality with what actually happened. So how do we know it's not one of those two things that's going on here? Actually, in many cases, we don't. There is such a thing as false memories. Any um, hypnotist can plant false memories in you. It's called the power of suggestion for a reason. Under hypnosis, they can suggest a memory, and you will quite happily fant uh, fantasize a memory for them. And then when you wake up, that memory is as if it were real to you, but it's a false memory. This happens a lot. It's one reason why I advise people who have had uh, abduction uh, experiences or missing time uh, not to jump at the first hypnotist they see. A good hypnotist is worth, worth their weight in salt, if you know what I mean, uh, because if you get it wrong and get the wrong hypnotist, you're permanently going to have false memories implanted in you. Now, the same is true of life in general. When you remember something from your early childhood, how many times have you remembered that incident? And each time you remember it, you're remembering the memory you had of it before. So it becomes very blurred, vague, and distorted over time. So, yeah, false memories are real. No doubt about it. Uh, nobody questions that. But by the same token, when you all get the memory wrong and get it wrong the same way, that's a little different. And if you talk to anyone about the Mandela effect, they'll start bringing up their own instances. And quite often those instances match what other people say. Again, if it was just random alternate memories, there would be no Mandela effect. But when people get it wrong, in their thousands, tens of thousands, and even hundreds of thousands or millions, they get it wrong the same way 99% of the time. And this is what's strange. And even um, psychiatrists have openly admitted that they cannot account. They say, oh, yeah, it's false memories. But they say even they can't account for why so many people around the world, from different countries, cultures, backgrounds, religions, race, all have these same false memories. How do you account for that? And so the idea of it being false memories is a valid argument, but it doesn't really hold up when you examine it thoroughly. Well, and it's it's all these little things, too, right down to the Monopoly man having a monocle and not not really having a monocle and uh, the spelling of J.C. Penny and, and there's just so many different things that, that come into play with it that really you sit there and you, you question if it's just you remember it incorrectly or you just yeah so it, it does it does play with your mind well it does because as you should mention monopoly i was just in walmart and yes i do shop at walmart last night and i saw a monopoly game and here's this picture of this guy in the top hat staring out at me on the cover of the box it's like you're supposed to you know but again we could remember things wrong but there's also physical evidence which seems to back up the mandela effect as well when we start looking at these examples of things that um, we have different accounts of, and not a million different accounts, but maybe two or three that seem to be, be competing accounts, particularly uh, the story with Nelson Mandela, was that the first example of, uh, of, of this particular effect? Is, or is that just happened to be the biggest example, and that's why it created the, uh, the name that we use, the Mandela effect? 
one that came to light. It just came about by accident. And uh, the woman, I'm having trouble remembering her name, Edith, uh, uh, I can't think of her last name, but she's the one who coined the term Mandela Effect because she found so many people had two different versions. Now, not three, four, or five, but uh, just the, the two versions, one where he died in prison under the apartheid government and another one um, where he uh, uh, went on and became president. And oddly enough, I do remember thinking that he died in prison and that uh, I remember thinking at the time, oh, that's too bad because he was a fighter for a noble cause. And then he was released from prison, and I remember that too. So I have both memories of it, and a lot of people do. Well, here's the, here's the problem for me, and we've got about a minute here before we have to go to break. Um, but you could have told me either one of those versions, and I would have walked away believing that was the one, um, just because I don't remember it in history that well. Obviously, there's documents and there's things that, that we could go back and check. Do they all say the same thing, or do we, if we look at the historical record, do we find two different accounts as well? Ah, that's the thing. That's some of the hard proof. If you go into the CIA files under the Freedom of Information Act, there are often two or three documents about certain events in history that are totally at opposite with each other, and yet both are in the archives, as if that was the version that happened. So how do we account for that if it's just false memories? That's a great point. Okay, we're going to continue this conversation on the other side of the break. We're also going to get into quantum physics and quantum immortality with our discussion with Rob Shelsky. A little bit later in the program, we're going to talk about quantum physics and quantum immortality. Things are changing. Our understanding of the world around us is changing based on these new theories and new sciences. Um, it's, it's really making us look and understand things completely differently than we have uh, up until this point. Uh, Rob, back to discussing the Mandela effect. First of all, thanks again for being here. We appreciate it. Um, we have, uh, you know, a, a, during the course of a lifetime, our memories fade, our memories change. I remember things about my childhood that I swear um, if I was talking with my sister, she'd say, no, that never happened. You know, we, we would argue those points. Um, but what you're saying here is that there is actually documented evidence of changes in our historical timeline. That's basically what we're talking about. Yes, absolutely. Uh, one little correction. I said Edith. It was Fiona Broom, not Edith. Oh, I was, yeah, Fiona. For yeah. some reason, I get Edith on the brain with Fiona. Yeah. But she started in 2009, and then it really sort of hit the fan in 2013 to 2014 when it began to go beyond the Mandela effect of, with regard to Nelson Mandela. But uh, that's why the name was uh, for it was Mandela effect. But yes, it, uh, there does seem to be documented evidence. There's also physical evidence. We have been finding physical evidence that we simply cannot account for. A good example is Ford struck a special medallion for uh, an expo, an exposition. They, um, Ford has the uh, Ford insignia, the logo with the F, the crosshatch on the F, and a little curlicue. Ford insists it's always been that way. Yet, you can clearly see, and it's even on the internet, you can see photos of it, there is a, a medallion that shows from that exposition that shows it without that curly cue, and it's quite clear, quite sharp. And yet there's another medallion that has the curly cue. Now, Ford insists it never made two medallions or two different versions of that, but yet here we have the physical evidence for it. And there's a lot more where that came from. Um, the more you check into this, the more you find physical evidence. Uh, people have looked at old Ford cars in, in, in uh, junkyards. There's a case where one man looked at the front insignia of the Ford, and it had the curly Q on the cross hatch of the F. Then he went around to the rear of the car, and the rear emblem did not. Now you can say, okay, well, Ford got it wrong, but this happens time and time and time again. Now, either all these co uh, companies are lying, or they're all just getting it wrong, and they're terribly stupid, which I don't think these corporations are, because they do make good money, and they have been around for decades, in case of Coca-Cola, for a very long time, a century. So how do we count for this if this is so? So what are we seeing at play here? Are we seeing some type of um, cross-contamination between parallel universes? Are we seeing uh, time travel involved? What is at play? Well, and that's the big question. And, and you just mentioned three of the most likely suspects in the crime, so to speak. It could be time travel. It could be, we, we keep saying there's no evidence of time travel, but if someone is time traveling, and again, remember now, it doesn't matter when they invent the time machine. It doesn't matter whether they invented it a billion years ago or 10 trillion years from now. If you have a time machine, all time is open to you. So it's as if the time machine always existed from their perspective. But if you go in the past and change something, that change might have a ripple effect, butterfly effect, if you want to go that route, and things change. 
another alternative is parallel universes. Maybe our timelines are so close with other timelines, other realities, that we're switching back and forth. It could be that something is causing this. Uh, some people theorize that CERN, the uh, particle collider in Switzerland and France, across the border there, uh, when it was switched on is basically when all this sort of started, so a lot of people look to that. Um, I personally think quantum computing might have a problem. The founder of D-Wave Quantum Computing, one of the two founders, there's a seminar, you can watch it again on the Internet, where he talks about how these quantum computers reference quantum computers in parallel universes to get the results. Well, what are the side effects? We've never done this before. When we're having a quantum computer in our reality, accessing other quantum computers and other realities, are there side effects? Are we merging and mixing the realities? And finally, the third one is, is maybe reality isn't fixed at all. And maybe it's just a result of consciousness, and therefore it is subject to change. Perhaps the more people remember something one way, that makes it that way. And yet we have ample evidence of weird things going on. A coin was found in Mexico. They were doing a construction site. It was an old coin, badly uh, deteriorated, but still clear enough to show some things. On it, it says uh, Nueva uh, Alemania, I think is what it said, Nueva Alemania, which is literally Latin for New Germany. And the date on it was 2030. Now, did the coin come from the future? If it did so, how did we get a new Germany? And how did it get control of Mexico? Was there a new Germany empire and an alternate reality? And that's where this coin is from? We don't know. But the coin is quite real. And you can see it for yourself. It's not a fake. It was dug up. It's old and it's worn, but it's, it says what it says. Now, either someone quite a while back coined this coin for some reason, or it did slip through from another time or perhaps another timeline. We found a, a finger watch in a tomb in China that's four years old, 400 years old sorry, that had never been opened. The, in the dust near the... Uh, the inside of the tomb, the dirt near the casket or sarcophagus, they found a small ring watch. On the back of it says Swiss, and it even gives the time on the watch. Now, is it a real ring watch or just a facsimile? We don't know because it's never been opened. It's badly corroded, and no one wanted to damage it. It would fall apart. But a team of scientists found it, and they insist they found it there. It was intact, in place, in situ, and therefore it had to have been in the tomb when it was sealed. Yet Swiss watches weren't made 400 years ago. Uh, clocks were very new in general, and Swiss and watches of any sort just weren't around. And Swiss ring watches certainly weren't. Yet this thing says Swiss on the back of it. How so, do we count for that? Well, and why do you think that it's not put out there more or really just pushed out there by all the, the media outlets trying to understand how this is possible? Because, And it, it, it can be silly little things. Well, you're talking about... You know the the uh, the watch and so forth. That's mind blowing. But I mean, it's little things like how you remembered how you remember Fruit Loops, how the spelling on that, or or Looney Tunes and and things like that. Why do you think that this topic is sort of on the fringe and it's not really out there being pushed as how how can we explain this? Well, first of all, it's more of an internet phenomenon to begin with, and the standard media doesn't deal with that well. Secondly, um, they approach it the same way, and I have seen some shows on about it. Uh, the, the first thing that scientists do is they attempt to explain or denigrate something. Now, these psychiatrists said, oh, it's just false memories. So everyone says, okay, it's not a topic, it's just false memories. Yet that doesn't account for rings and coins and excuse me, photos, things like this, documents, uh, as to why they don't jibe with our history of events as we think they are. Uh, it doesn't explain how all these people get the memory wrong and get it wrong the same way. A perfect example is the color chartreuse. I've used this before with people because it's a good example. Can I ask you what color you think chartreuse is? Like a blue-green? Yeah. Okay, well, you're close. It's actually a bright lime green. Um, but the majority of people who are asked this question when they get it wrong always say it's a reddish purple or reddish maroon. They don't say it's orange or yellow or blue uh, or even red. They say reddish purple or maroon. I even had my best friend, I asked him, and he said, well, it's kind of a red purple, isn't it? I go, no, it's a lime green. But th 
when they get it wrong, they're all getting it wrong the same way. Now, if it's a false memory, why are so many people getting it wrong the same way? Wouldn't you just have random alternate memories of it? They should all be different or only a few should be the same? But no, it's almost entirely that when they get it wrong, they get it wrong the same way. And this goes on and on. I can't even begin to tell you how many examples of this um, in, in archaeology, we have come up with uparts now for the last three and a half centuries. Upart is an object that doesn't belong where it's dug up, where it's found, in whatever layer of earth it's found in or whatever location, geographically speaking. And, we, and what archaeologists do is they ignore it completely. Oh, you know, we can it's an anomaly. We can't account for it. Who knows how it happened? Or they say it's a hoax, although this has been going on for three and a half centuries now, all over the world and in the tens of thousands. And or it's um it's it's a mistake, uh it's just someone uh you know, just got it wrong, they they didn't read it right. But we have so much in the way of Upart that we can't account for. And these are objects that exist in a time and a place where they shouldn't have existed at all. We have skeletons of people embedded in solid rock. We have found ladles, handbells, vases, uh, thimbles, kettles embedded inside of coal that's 25 million years old and dug up from a depth of over 150 feet in the ground in a solid layer, a seam of coal or limestone or rock or whatever. Now, some people say, oh, well, yes, but you can have fast fossilization under certain conditions. Well, yes, you can. But how do you account for a kettle found inside of a uh, a block of coal that was just dug up and cracked open, and they find it inside this, and that coal is 25 million years old? What was it doing there? Why does that handbell that they found, and by the way, you can find some of these in the Smithsonian and in other museums. It's not like I'm making this up. You can go look for yourself. <laughs> so it's really it's there, and yet we, mainstream scientists, they have developed ideas, they have developed timelines, and they don't want things messing with it. There is the idea of the um, third rail in science, for instance, with regard to UFOs. We always wonder why scientists don't take UFOs seriously. Well, they laugh it off media laughs it off. You never see them mention someone spotted a UFO on a local news channel where they're not smirking the anchor people or giggling a little. Oh, yes, right, that was right. a green man kind of thing. Yeah. So it's utterly ridiculed, and that ridicule is on purpose, And I think. And when you have that kind of thing, plus, if you're a scientist and you say, oh, I want to investigate UFOs, you're not going to get a grant. And without grants, you're not going to survive as a scientist. Plus, other scientists are going to ridicule you. So you don't do those kind of researches, even if you're capable of doing it. You don't get the money. Your career is ruined. Airplane pilots suffer the same thing with the UFO phenomena. And yet, whether UFOs are real or not, some 65 million Americans believe they are real. Uh, it's actually over 50% of the adult population say they're real. Uh, over a million and a half people claim to have been abducted. So even if it isn't real, it's an incredible social phenomenon. Why aren't researchers and scientists and psychiatrists researching it, making, getting major grants to research this social phenomenon? I mean, regardless of whether UFOs exist or not, you have to think it's pretty weird that millions upon millions of adults think it is. And wouldn't you want to investigate why this is so in society? It'd make a great research paper for a political scientist or a social scientist or counselors, therapists or psychiatrists or psychologists. But no, there's a couple that do it. And I, when I say couple, I mean like maybe on one hand or two hands that are really trying to do it and they're doing it without funding because they can't get it. So... I think that's a lot of the reason you don't dare touch that. It's a third rail in science. We're talking with Rob Shelsky about the Mandela effect. We've got a lot more conversation ahead of us, including a discussion about quantum physics and quantum immortality. That's all ahead. And uh, the merging of science and some disciplines that might have seemed to be somewhat counter to science at one point, they all seem to be coming together in this uh, new discipline we call quantum uh, physics and quantum mechanics. But it's all ahead on the program. Also, we'll be opening up our phone lines at 607 or <laughs> 844 844-687-7666. I almost number. did it. I almost did almost it. Almost give out your personal cell number on air <laughs> on a hundred stations across the U.S. <laughs> I know. I almost did that. I've done it before. That's the problem. Anyway, uh, 
Rob, I wanted to touch on something you'd said earlier. Um, you mentioned CERN and you mentioned some other um, uh, what we would be considering cutting cutting edge science uh, endeavors that may be uh, responsible for what we're talking about here with the Mandela effect. Are you suggesting that uh, some of these new projects and these new um, uh ventures into basically uncharted scientific waters might be ripping at uh, the fabric of what we know as time, space, and reality? Well, actually, it's not me that came up with those ideas, but yes. Uh, quantum physics um, tells us a lot of things, but quantum computers are quite new. They're actually working now. We've got them up and running. D-Wave does. And when the founder of the company that's doing it tells you that his quantum computer is be able to process so quickly because it's setting the problem through different realities to other quantum computers and parallel timelines to help solve it quicker, when they're saying that, you have to sort of sit up and take notice. The problem there is, what are the side effects? The answer is we don't know. It's like setting off the first atomic bomb. Some scientists said that mathematics showed that there was a small chance that one atomic bomb could ignite the atmosphere of the Earth and burn off the whole atmosphere. Mathematically, it was possible. When approached by the military and saying, well, is, could this happen? Oppenheimer's response was, well, theoretically it could, but we don't think it will. It, it seems to be a low probability. Well, <laughs> that's a pretty <laughs> big deal. Yeah. If it were to happen, you would have wiped out the planet with the explosion of the first nuclear test. But they took the chance anyway, not knowing the full consequences of their actions. This could be happening with quantum computers. It may be that you can't tap into other timelines without having side effects and repercussions and the merging of those timelines to some degree. Um, there are people, you know, who say that they've crossed timelines, and not just one or two, but a lot. There's a woman by the name of Lorena Garcia who insists that she's from an alternate timeline and gave ample uh, information and evidence to support it. She also went to a psychiatrist thinking she might have been losing her mind, and the psychiatrist said, no, you, other than these weird hallucinations about that, you seem perfectly normal. And then she hired a private detective to help her explore the situation because she'd lost her boyfriend. He disappeared along with his son. Never existed, according to the uh, investigators' reports. In desperation, and anyone can go on the Internet and look, Lorena Garcia has asked for help if anyone has any knowledge pertaining to the situation. She woke up one morning, and her world was slightly different. Her apartment was slightly altered, just minor things. She went to work. And she went to her old department where she always worked, and they said, you don't work here. You work on the other side of the building in such and such a department. And she says, but I don't know any of those people. Well, it turns out they knew her, but she didn't know them. And her boyfriend, as I said, disappeared. His son disappeared as if he'd never been born. Um, her sister, who Lorena was sure had had uh, shoulder surgery not long before, showed no scar anymore, so even her sister had changed. Now, did her sister change, or was it a different sister? Was she in a different timeline? She thinks she is. And again, this has happened repeatedly. This is not an isolated incident. So either there's a lot of people out there who are deluded, and it's possible, I don't rule anything out, or they uh, have experienced something real, or at least something quasi-real, because reality may not be real at all as we think of it. Well, and there's different shows that are actually touching on this now, uh, too. Dramatic shows like Counterpart, which is, is sort of showing the whole uh, you know, parallel universes and how similar the lives are in, in those areas as well. And, and so it's it's neat to see things like that because it just opens up endless possibilities of how these things could happen or, or geez, it's just it's mind-blowing when you think about it. One other possibility, too, that I failed to mention, and that is that this is a simulation, uh, that it is a form of matrix, and that perhaps the programmer, and I put that in quotes, uh, is making minor adjustments. Now, when computer programmers make adjustments to elaborate programs, they fix a minor glitch in one, prop, one spot, and not all the time, but quite often, more than you'd realize, and I have done programming, um, it can create a problem in an entirely different area. So you go in and tweak something here, and there are repercussions elsewhere. I mean, islands are disappearing from the face of the earth. And I don't just mean a few. I mean a lot. 
land masses uh, that appeared on globes and different movies and TV shows. By the way, I found some of those myself. If you if you watch the uh, fourth season of I Dream of Genie, there's a globe in it, and it appears repeatedly. And on the globe are land masses that don't exist on Earth. Rob, when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. We have to go to our break here. It's a hard break. It's Beyond Reality Radio with Jason and JV. It's Tuesday on the West, Wednesday on the East. Many of you are stuck somewhere in between. Welcome to Beyond Reality Radio with me, Jason Hawes, and the always awesome JV Johnson. So if, if I had to ask, uh, how would you answer this question? Have you been a good boy this year or a bad boy this oh, year? I'm so screwed. <laughs> I am so screwed. I mean, I actually, I'm going to have to give Santa gifts. <laughs> that's, that how, that's how bad well, I am. Well, I'm, I'm not even concerned with Santa. I'm concerned with Krampus because tonight, the 5th of December, December 5th, yeah. is uh, Krampus knocked. Yeah. And it's the night that Krampus comes to visit uh, the children who are not good. You said children, thank God. Yeah, oh, I know. You're, you're kind of out of the woods in this. But um, he visits those that were not good. And in some uh, of the legends, he actually abducts them, takes them away off into the woods. Puts them in chains and drags them away. And in some, he just leaves them coal, which is what we've learned here that Santa does if you if you misbehave. But in Germany, supposedly Krampus does that. Well, and the whole idea behind Krampus was that he came and took away the bad boys and girls. So because Santa never really had this list of naughty and nice. So he would come take away the bad ones. So when Santa showed up with the gifts, there were only the good ones there anyways. Yeah. Made it made Santa's job a I lot mean, easier. He didn't, he didn't yeah. have to have a list on who was naughty, who was not. I mean, if you're still there, Krampus hasn't, you know, put you in change and dragged you away, then you're you're okay. And we, we did a program um with Al Ridenauer uh last week, maybe it was. I'm not even not even sure. Um but either way, uh, it was all about Krampus and I know that uh, he has a Krampus run, um, which is Krampus right in my side. Yeah, I always get a Krampus when I run, yeah. (laughs) Um, And I I think that's actually going to be tonight. Yeah, they're good dad (laughs) jokes. Anyway, welcome to the program, everybody. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Thanks for listening. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be talking with uh, Rob Shelsky about uh, the Mandela effect and also about uh, uh, quantum physics and quantum immortality. He's written about those two topics and many, many others. Tomorrow night, Ron Kolek and Maureen Wood, who are parents investigators and researchers will join us to talk about their series called Ghost Chronicles. It's something they've written um, on many of their paranormal investigations. It'll be very interesting tomorrow night. And then Thursday, the lady who always talks over me, Rebecca Foster. Readings by Rebecca. I got to say that because, <laughs> you know, she's she, I, I make her feel bad and I don't ever mean to. I, I love her. She's awesome. But readings with Rebecca and uh, she'll be on. Make sure you call in early. She gives you a, a nice reading or, you know, you hope it's a nice reading. And uh, go from there. But she's just a wonderful person, and uh, everybody seems to enjoy her. No, she's a wonderful, wonderful person with a complex now because she's afraid that <laughs> <laughs> she comes on. Well, and I and I play off of that, so I it's do. you know. But uh, she she knows I love her, and come on, I'm I'm not concerned about her talking over me. We uh, one more thing. I, I had some interesting uh, story at the beginning of the program when I talked about an app for your smartphone that will now determine whether or not you have anemia. Uh, and we've talked about this particular uh, advance in science as well um but there's a blood test now that can detect cancer and it takes about 10 minutes it's it's basically non-invasive other than collecting some blood and um it replaces uh tests and biopsies that have uh needed to be done in the past that would take months. This is a new method that's been developed by the University of Queensland and looks for differences in the genetic code of cancerous and healthy cells. And they can find it right in the blood and look at the DNA of these things and determine whether or not um, there are cancerous cells in your body. Well, an early warning is the key right there, especially with a lot of the uh, trials that are going on right now. And I mean, if you catch it early, you can do so much more. Yeah, that is the truth. It's all about getting it early. So um, I, I love to see these advances in medical technology and science, especially the ones that can um, diagnose things quicker, easier, less invasively, and uh, allow people to get a head start on, on finding a way to beat some of these things. Yeah, that's so awesome to hear that, that that's coming so far. And uh, I just I hope... Uh I mean, that's just one of the worst diseases, one oh, of the worst sicknesses out there. Yeah, it is. It is unbelievable. Ravage, it's just ravages people. Anyway, let's bring in uh, Rob Shelsky back into the program. Rob, we've been talking about the Mandela effect, but there's kind of a nice uh, transition here into quantum physics because quantum physics, um, actually, when we talk about these parallel di- dimensions and being able to cross from one to the other and communicate from one to the other, we actually may have a way to help explain what we talked about in the first hour, the Mandela effect. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely, and that could very well be. And the idea of parallel universes isn't science fiction anymore. In fact, every main theory of the formation of the universe requires there to be more than one universe. In fact, scientists tend to use the term multiverse now. And there's not, no less than five different ways that we could have parallel universes. And even the inflation theory, the Big Bang theory, requires multiple universes. Other theories require an infinite number of them. So, yeah, it's it's actually most scientists now pretty much agree that there have to be other parallel universes. So that's kind of pretty much a given these days. Either that or all of our theories, string theory and inflation theory of the universe, are all wrong and don't work. And there was a report actually a few years back, and I'm not sure who actually wrote it, but they were talking about the whole thing, uh, the whole idea of if somebody actually thinks of something, thinks of some sort of uh, thing going on, and they can create a storyline off of that, again, opening up a, a new parallel universe off of that, breaking it down. And I think you're familiar with what I'm talking about with that. Anytime your mind goes to a certain certain way and you start thinking of something, you're creating a world other than the world you're in. And some people even think that perhaps dreams are are the uh, spontaneous creation of other universes, maybe a, a self-aborting ones, or but we don't know. See, when you create a universe, we don't know that time runs the same pace in that universe as it does as ours. What we think of as a dream might actually be a universe that lasts for billions of years for the people who actually live in it. But uh, and that's of course if you believe that idea. And yet, quantum physics says that it very well be, may be that the universe requires a consciousness and that consciousness actually creates reality. That until we observe something, it is in a wave state. It is not solid. But then when we observe it, it comes into the particle form. This is what we're finding in quantum physics, particle physics, if you will, quantum mechanics, the same thing, that objects appear only after they are observed. Up until then, they are a probability wave. For instance, if you were to throw a Coke bottle with a message in it into the ocean, say from Australia, it would turn into a wave and spread out across the ocean, and then the first place where it hit land, it would pop out of the water as a bottle with a message in it. But all the rest of the wave would suddenly disappear, and that bottle wouldn't appear anywhere else. That's a good analogy of how you might think of quantum physics and probability waves. Until we look at a particle, it's not a particle. It's a probability wave. This is way above my uh, pay grade yeah. in my education. Well, because, because it becomes mind-blowing. because it, does. It, it It comes down to a situation where if you walk outside and look at a tree branch, that tree branch didn't exist until you actually walked up and looked at that tree branch, correct? Correct. And I'm sure you've heard of that old saying, I believe it's a Zen saying, um, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound? Well, the answer, according to quantum physics, is no. If it didn't have any kind of consciousness observing it, it not only didn't make a sound, it didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. And it was only when we turned and looked at it. it may, I mean, some go so far as to say that what, even what's behind you doesn't exist until you turn and look at it. Uh, again, that, that's stretching it a bit for me. But um, you have to consider all these things with the quantum world. We live in the classical world of physics. We live with the trees and rocks and stars and planets and people and cars. But in the quantum level, time doesn't run the same. In fact, time doesn't have to happen at all in the way that we think of it. And also, an object can appear in more places than one or in two different states of being. We call it superposition. Now, we used to think, well, that's fine. The quantum world is weird, but it's subatomic and we're a classical world. Everything's fine here. Well, recently, a few years back, they did an experiment. They created what they called a quantum drum. Very small, but you can see it with an unaided microscope with the human eye. You can actually see this little tiny thing. It fits on a finger, but you can see it. And they have proven that that quantum drum can exist in two states at once, superposition. Now, that's no longer in the subatomic world. That's in our world. And it goes even further. I mean, the implications are incredible. For instance, you could smash your head against a wall hundred billion trillion trillion times and all your head would do is bounce off that brick wall but if you kept it up long enough according to quantum probability at some point you could actually pass through that wall and very well probably would so our world is not quite as safe and solid as we think it is there's another point our world is composed of atoms 
Atoms are 99.9999999999% vacuum. So we are basically ghosts. Everything in the solid world is actually made up of nothing, or practically nothing. And the few little bit that is solid, those subatomic particles, according to string theory, are not solid particles at all, but rather are vibrating loops of string energy that can vibrate in different shapes to create different particles. This all gets rather heavy. But the point is, is that we might be living in a world that really isn't real at all. Now, people say, well, if that's so, why can't I put my hand through a desk? Uh, why, you know, well, it seems to be that because of um, nuclear, the nuclear force uh, with regard to subatomic particles and atoms, it repels you. So your hand is repelled when it hits the desk or any other solid object, just as uh, your hand repels that, too. So... If you are ever asked the question, can a ghost walk through another ghost? No, apparently not, because we seem to be ghosts. Well, and but this whole thinking uh, does, and it, it puts us on a higher consciousness, of course. But does it sort of connect us more to our Maker or our Creator or whatever has created all all of this, including us? It could. Uh, there is now actual some solid evidence of the idea of a collective subconscious or cosmic consciousness. Scientists have done repeated experiments now, and they have done random number generators and had people concentrate on them. And the result was a small but significant, and that's the catchphrase, significant change in the outcome of the experience other than predicted. Now, they've done this experiment thousands and thousands of times where people try to influence a random number generator to come up with a certain number. And there seems to be an actual stati uh, significant statistical evidence that we are changing it. Now, there's another question. Are we our own creators? If time doesn't exist as we know it, and there is a theory of the universe called E8, or the emergence theory, it says that there's a causality loop, that what we cause and effect don't necessarily work in a straight line. In physics, we know that physics computations um, don't require time to work in a cause and effect way. The, the equation works front to back or back to front just as well. Time doesn't enter into it. And it may well be that in reality it doesn't either. So we do something now and it affects the future. But what they're saying with the E8 theory is that what happens in the future could affect the far past. So this collective consciousness could have formed in the far, far future of the universe and is readjusting the past, hence maybe the Mandela effect, right. to make itself a little more um, learned, a little more uh, expanded, uh, capable of doing something that it can't do. And this is a very strange phenomenon, but they're saying mathematically it's perfectly possible or feasible. Um, Rob, this is a short segment before we get our heartbreak at the bottom of the hour, um, but it's a good it's a good time for you to talk a little bit more about your books and where people can get a hold of them because you've got many many books on various paranormal topics, including uh, UFOs, um, Hollow Moon, and uh, Mars. I mean, you've got a lot of time travel. There's a whole bunch of them here. Where can people get a hold of your books and find out more about the things you're writing about? place would be Amazon. They can get the printed uh, version, or they can get the ebook version, or they can go to Smashwords, or they can go through the publishers that are involved, Simon Schuster, Permuted Press, Red Rose, Class Act. There's a lot of books. The simplest way, I think, would be just to Google me, Rob Shelsky, and it'll all come up for them. <laughs> How do you pick your topics? Because it's quite a variety of things that you're writing about. Eclectic is the way I describe myself. One topic tends to lead to another. When you're talking about UFOs, there's the interdimensional element, so you start talking about other dimensions. There's also the time travel element, so it leads to researching time travel. And that's what I do. I research. When I get enough information, I write a book about it because I think it's interesting. And when did you decide to write about uh, the Mandela effect? Uh, about a year and a half ago. It, was, it kept hitting me and hitting me, and I been the victim of a lot of Mandela effects myself, if you want to call them victims. But uh, <laughs> And then with the missing islands and things, I just thought, you know, this needs to be talked about. No, Hardly any people have written a book about it. So I thought maybe I should. We kind of cut you off here. We've got about a minute and a half um, if you want to tell us more about the missing islands, because we kind of cut that story short. Sure. 
there's a lot of islands that appear on maps and globes and have been reported and discovered and seen several times over that have disappeared over time. These include Sandy Island in the South Pacific, uh, High Brazil, um, quite a few. We even have them in ancient history, like Atlantis. Uh, so there's... I would guess about 30 or 40 missing islands on the planet, and also land masses that are missing as well, based on maps and globes we have from history. Interesting. We're talking with Rob Shelsky again. Uh, we're talking Mandela Effect. We're also talking quantum physics. We have a lot, we have a lot more uh, to, to chat about. All right. Well, yeah. And uh, if you haven't yet, head over to Facebook.com slash Beyond Reality Radio. Like the Facebook page for us. Then head to beyondrealityradio.com where you can find all the stations we are on across the country. You can also download the smartphone apps for iPhone and Android, which allow you to listen to the show live, catch past shows, join the online chat, and more. Or any night we are live, feel free to click the Listen Live and Chat button to connect yourself into an online chat room. And then we're a great community of people, and you can listen to the show from there. Or just listen live right from the site by clicking the Listen Live button. If you download the show from iTunes or anywhere else, just take two seconds of your time and rate it for us. It helps push it forward, makes it easier to find. That's what it's all about. We are kind of in our final segment here, so I want to get through some of these things that I think need explaining. Um, What is the Boltzmann brain? Uh, The Boltzmann brain is the idea. It was originally a thought experiment. It was said that given enough time and the right circumstances, atoms could actually form into what would be the equivalent of a human or non-human consciousness. It further states that it is quite more likely that a Boltzmann brain would come into existence than our own universe has. Now, this would take less effort for that to happen by chance, sheer chance, than it would be for our universe to come about by sheer chance. So this idea of a disembodied consciousness, it would be called a Boltzmann brain. And a Boltzmann brain floating in space in a vacuum would not have any input. It would not have eyes, ears, or nose. So the only way it could maintain its sanity is to live inside itself and basically in its own mind create a universe for it to experience and live in since there's no outside stimuli. And we could be that universe. Uh, I mean, this really (laughs) is mind-blowing stuff, and not to use a bad pun, uh, but it it really is. I mean, it's hard to – Jason and I were talking during the break. It's hard to take these ideas and neatly put them into the box. You know, like it's easy easy to understand – not that they're simple sciences, but biology or chemistry or, you know, but you start talking about this stuff and it's just hard to harness it all. It's incredibly hard. And as we go on, it's getting more and more difficult because we're beginning to find out more and more that science seems to be becoming metaphysical, that uh, a lot of what they're saying sounds like something that a, a Buddhist monk might say, or a Hindu philosopher might say, or even a Catholic priest might say. The idea that we might all exist in the mind of God, or that the collective subconscious of the universe is a self-editing God, improving itself, as if you could go back in time to when you were a child and change things that happened, so you could be a better or more powerful you today. That's called causality loops. And there's some evidence to believe that there's real evidence to support this idea. So we're living on shifting ground, if ground is even considered solid at all anymore. It's scary. So let's also talk about this quant- the whole idea behind quantum immortality. I mean, that, that's a fascinating subject, especially for somebody like me who, who's a paranormal researcher, where I go out and investigate claims of hauntings. And the whole idea, and just explain that so that our listeners can understand what we're talking about. Sure. Uh, the idea of quantum immortality comes from the idea that there, every time you make a decision, the many worlds theory um, was first formulated in the 60s by a scientist named Everett and one other, and he, they were in Princeton uh, University, and they said that Perhaps it isn't a wave particle nature at all, but rather it is parallel universes so that every time a decision is made, the alternate decision is also made and a new timeline pops into existence. So I'm going to take this bus. So I step onto the bus. Immediately there's another universe formed where I made a different choice, where I chose not to step on the bus. Well, if you follow this through to its logical conclusion, that means if I step out into a street and a car hits me and kills me, then immediately another universe formed where I didn't chose not to step out into the street, so I didn't die in the car accident. And if this is so, then since your timeline has stopped with your consciousness in it, because you died in this one, 
you just sort of pick up in the parallel timeline or perhaps even merge with an existing one where you're, where you're already a parallel you is there with their mind, and you go merrily on your way with no memory of ever having been killed because for you it didn't happen. For everyone standing on the curb watching you lying there on the pavement, they do see it, but you don't because for you that timeline no longer exists because you died in it, so now you're in the parallel timeline moving right along. So it's almost like jumping from a train to another train with parallel trains running on tracks. So pretty much it's when your body when your body in this in this universe dies your consciousness actually jumps to your body in a parallel universe or an alternative un- universe and it just keeps on going so really right. there there is no there would be no such thing as death we have found microtubules in the human brain. These seem to have a quantum level functioning. They, there are vibrations on the quantum level in these microtubules. When we die, there is evidence, it happened with my own stepfather, that as the person breathes their last, there's still electri- electrical activity in the brain. And this lasts for several seconds. And it may be, some scientists theorize, that it is the mind, the consciousness, draining out of this body into the quantum reality. Maybe joining the collective subconscious, it may be joining the cosmic consciousness, it may be floating free in space like a Boltzmann brain, or it may be moving to another timeline where it could go on existing in another version of ourselves. So does that break down to the uh, the, the claim that and with that happening, we would sort of live forever? We'd just keep on jumping? Well, there is that. Now, I mean, of course, you can take any thought experiment to an illogical conclusion, perhaps. But, yes, you would continue to go on existing in different timelines. And, of course, the number of branches in the timelines would begin to dwindle the further out there you went to the left or right, so to speak, from our own timeline. But some say that eventually you would hit a timeline where immortality has been discovered, so you would never die, and that's quantum immortality. And and maybe this is not something you can answer, but do you carry your personality and your and your memories from timeline to timeline, or are they? Do you just assume the personality and memories from the timeline that you've just entered? into a parallel timeline, it is you as you think of you. You have no recollection of having died. You simply, you're lying on your deathbed, you take your last breath, your eyes shut, and your brain stops. Your mind drains out or switches to a parallel timeline where you didn't take your last breath. You might still be lying in the hospital, but you didn't die. That wasn't your last breath. Now, here's the weird part. It could be not just in quantum immortality, but a quantum hell. It could be that you're on the verge of death in multiple universes, and you keep jumping to ones where you're one breath away from your last breath. So you're suffering terribly for eternity. That's a spooky thought experiment in itself as well. But, you know, I mean, uh, does that happen? Nobody knows, of course, for sure. But we are pretty sure there are parallel timelines. And we do have evidence now that the human mind exists a little bit out of time. Uh, We don't, our human consciousness doesn't exist entirely in the present. Uh, Studies have been done repeatedly in universities that show the human mind actually can see the future two to ten seconds ahead, depending on the individual. They've done this experiment over and over on thousands of people at mainstream universities, Stanford, Princeton, all these places. And the conclusions are the same. The human seems to be able to experience or have a premonition in the future two to ten seconds so they break it down say on average it's about five to seven seconds we can see the future why can we do this they don't know but they think evolution might have done it if a tiger is about to jump at you from a rock above you and you have a premonition seven seconds ahead it's just enough time to turn around and stick it with your spear so maybe we just evolve that but uh the human mind does seem to exist out of time and therefore is not constrained by time and perhaps not by our timeline well and then the whole thing with the quantum immortality though if you're jumping from timeline to timeline or or parallel universe parallel universe could also open up the door again to the mandela effect correct Absolutely, because that parallel timeline might not be precisely the same as ours. So your memories, when you jumped over, are slightly different. Kit Kat without a hyphen, uh, Ford without a a sedilla on the F, or whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, the same thing over and over and over. And it could be that. And yes, now there's two theories. One is that we jump to an existing parallel timeline, and the other one is that We create the timeline because, according to the many worlds theory, every time there's a choice, even on the subatomic level, a new universe is created. So there's an infinity of parallel timelines. So the minute you die, 
there's a universe created where you didn't die and you continue on in that one. The other theory is, is that when we die, we pass over to a parallel time that already exists and merge with the existing mind of ourselves there and yeah. are not aware that we're doing so. And I'm sure, would there be also the possibility of you jumping to a timeline? Well, I guess you couldn't jump to a timeline where you already passed because you're out of that timeline. So you just skip right over that one. Yes, exactly. You would, uh, because that timeline already would have ended for you anyway. And it just doesn't exist for you because it's not available. It'd be like a bunch of parallel trains, again, running together on different tracks. You can't jump over to an empty track. There has to be a train there, so to speak. Well, excuse me while I pour some ice on my brain because I think it's on fire right yeah, now. Yeah, I see the smoke coming out of your ears yeah, it right hurts. now. It really um, hurts. I, I want to I take you back something, to something you said a few minutes ago, Rob. Uh, you said, uh, you know, this could be, I'm not exactly sure how you said it, but it could be all happening in the mind of God. Um, if we were to take, and not to get overly religious about this conversation, but science and religion have seemed to uh, kind of been at a tug of war for a very, very long time. And um, when we look at people who are critical of religion and they say, look at the Bible, for example, and say, well, you know, how could this have happened? This just doesn't, it's not possible. How could there have been a flood that, of that size? It's not possible. Whatever it happens to be. And I'm not, I'm not advocating for one thing or the other. But if this is all happening in the mind of quote unquote God, then anything would be possible. And it would explain how all of this comes together, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And, and, and no, I wouldn't discount that. You're quite right. I mean, science and religion have been diametrically opposed since the 1400s or before. But again, now we seem to be sort of curving back towards each other. You have the religious stuff on one side, and then you have science saying, well, maybe reality isn't real. Maybe we, there's a collective unconscious or a, a super consciousness. Uh, it may be that every timeline has a fraction of our soul in it, if you want to go the soul route, if you want to call the consciousness a soul, and that all of the other versions of us together create one super soul of us, and that each of us is just like the facet of a diamond, which is far superior, which we can't see. That might be true. Uh, it might be that we are a self-editing God, that we are moving towards the super consciousness that might inhabit the end of time. If so, it may be able to transcend time and go back into the past and alter itself, a self-editing God. And we are becoming that God, and we are a part of that God, maybe like a brain cell in a brain. Uh, there's a lot of routes you can go. And the truth is, we don't know. We don't know. But what we do know is reality is becoming a very strange place indeed. And as a result... Uh, there's no, you know, it's like being in an earthquake. There's no solid place to stand. Yeah. What is quantum suicide? I've seen that mentioned. Well, that's the idea. And by the way, there's a great movie about that called The Discovery. It stars Robert Redford. It was an independent film. came out a couple of years ago. Uh, if you get a chance to see it, watch it, because it's all about that. And it's the idea that if you commit suicide... You, your timeline ends in this reality, but you, do, you go on living in another reality. And um, it's the same thing as quantum immortality, that you can't kill yourself. And in this movie, people, were, when they found this out and the discovery was made worldwide, people started killing themselves because they weren't happy in this life and they wanted to go to another place. They didn't know then in the movie where it was, but they just assumed it might be another chance to have a better life. Well, in the movie, it turns out that what they ended up in was the same timeline with the chance to correct what they had done wrong to try to get it right, so to speak. But quantum suicide is a direct output of quantum immortality, that you can't kill yourself, that every time you make the choice to, another universe forms where you didn't make that choice, and that's where you move to. And as you're jumping from reality to reality during these particular instances uh, that you've described, um, and then there are things like out-of-body experiences or near-death experiences, is that a blurring of those things? Absolutely, it could be, and I've thought about that quite often. Um, out-of-body experiences are could definitely be the mind, the consciousness moving out of this reality or this body. A lot of people um, have flying dreams, and uh, some argue that these flying dreams are the first stage of an out-of-body experience, that you're beginning to feel light and floating as if you're going to leave your body, and it, in your dream it becomes a flying dream. And almost everyone I've ever talked to says that flying dreams are wonderful. They've never had a bad one. So apparently this all, and also near-death experiences may be the same thing. They may have actually been witnessing their own consciousness leaving this reality. And, in my, and the white light might be the cosmic consciousness. We may be 
parts of the cosmic consciousness here to experience it. Some scientists believe that the universe has created consciousness so that it could know itself. Well, you know it's been a great discussion when you actually leave the discussion with more questions than you started with, which is kind of where we've ended up tonight, Rob. But, I mean, you've answered so much but just created such a curiosity. And I know for me, and I can tell from Jason's smoking scalp, that he's got the same thing going on there. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you see, that's why I keep writing more books. You, you, you start raising these questions when you research this, and then you start researching those questions, and you end up writing another book. It's kind of a causal loop. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a full circle. It just keep you going yep. nonstop. So once again, where can people get a hold of the books? Because you've got many. Uh, Amazon, I think, would be the best place. There, or, or Smashwords, or they could go to the actual publishers themselves, or they can go to my uh, website, which is robshelsky.blogspot.com. And, or just Google me. That's really the easiest way. Do you have uh, another project in the works? I know you've got the book coming out in February, I believe, the Quantum Book, right? Uh, the book on quantum immortality in February, and that is due out if the editors keep to their promise. And then after that, I am thinking about going back to the idea of UFOs again. Nice. There's more I want to do. I was a MUFON investigator, and, and the subject of UFOs fascinates me. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. Rob, thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us tonight, and uh, we definitely got to have you on again because I think we barely scratched the surface with this. Oh, I really appreciate you having me on. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. You have a great night. Yeah, I'm, my head's still spinning from this conversation oh, tonight. I know. I'm, I'm going to have nightmares about that Well, and it's such an interesting topic. Cause you, it really you sit, And really, you end up full circle because all these things are so intertwined on the subjects. Well, once you start talking about the fact that all of this could be just the thought process of a all powerful being a brain if you will the, you know, then anything is possible and anything can make sense and all things can be explained by that process alone um and we could all be our own god we could all our minds could be making up our own universes in our it's just it's 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 hard to even like i said you can't even kind of you can't even put it in a nice tidy box and talk about well it like you could really be just a figment of my imagination well, I, I'm hoping I'm a figment of your imagination. Your whole life story could be a figment of my imagination. It could be a plum, too. <laughs> this is true. This is true. And then uh, Thursday, we've got uh, readings with Rebecca Foster. So make sure you call in early that night. She'll uh, call in. She'll give you a great reading and go from there. If you haven't yet, head over to Facebook.com slash Beyond Reality Radio. And like the Facebook page for us. Then head to BeyondRealityRadio.com. Find all the stations we air on across the country. Download the smartphone apps. Subscribe to the show. Rate it for us. Do that all. Greatly appreciate it. That's going to do it for us tonight, everybody. You're listening to Jason and JV, Beyond Reality Radio. Catch you all tomorrow. Beyond Reality Radio is hosted by Jason Hawes and JV Johnson and produced by Alexandria Johnson and Slick Eddie Edwards for Intercom Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is distributed by Westwood One Radio Networks. Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.taps. For JV Johnson, follow at JVJParanormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at beyondrealityradio.com. Thanks for listening.